Welcome back. Another discussion with the famous and infamous Gregory Rodriguez. We're, we're going to explore a little bit of American kitsch here on American Atta. Got a great topic of conversation I think we want to explore. Um, it's the topic that is inescapable in 2020. It's the issue that will define, I think, not just this year, but probably this decade. I think maybe that's overstating it a little bit, but of course I'm talking about the pandemic talking about the virus that has changed um, the lives of this. Um, we'll talk about the generational effects of this. We're gonna talk about the societal effects of this. And we're gonna talk about the long-term impacts of this. I'll add a little bit as it relates to the political impacts of this, both I think generally and kind of in the larger political sense, but, but actually in the practical sense too. But, um, Look, we, as, we've been, as we've been struggling day to day through this, Gregory, as a country, as a people, as we've watched as Americans, how the other, rest of the world and the rest of the globe have managed this and how we have mismanaged this, there's no question that this is going to change the way that we as Americans, at least for a while, um, interact, don't interact, think of ourselves, believe in ourselves, and um, this struggle, I think, is going to change who we are. Is that too is that too sweeping, too big of a pronouncement to say? No, I, I think I think it will. We just don't know how. Uh, I, to start off with the how seeing watching how others nations have managed this and how we have mismanaged it. Um, I think number one, it's a national humiliation on some level. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't have to be humiliation in that sort of crushing way. Uh, it's crushing in that there's so many deaths, but that it could be seen as a humbling, something that's more uh, constructive. That uh, I mean, it's, it, 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 there is, there may be. I mean, sorry to do the silver lining crap, but uh, this country has been again judging itself by its apparent superiority to others, and it's really hard to make that argument right now. Um, and maybe this is a moment to downsize, to, to, to be humble, to look inward. And I think we are. I think it's impossible not to. So on a national level, I, I, I'm, a, I'm guessing that sort of simply uh, ambitions that, that a, a one has for its nation will uh, uh, decline on some level, at least on an international stage. And maybe its ambitions domestically will increase. So I, I want to throw out that to begin with, but, but I, the, the, it, it, 140,000 people who died to date will not go unnoted, it, 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 despite you know, the, the, the apparent uh, you know, lack of acknowledgement from the White House, it, it, it will be felt, it will be felt for a long time. What do you think? You, you said, you said, you used a really interesting word. There's no question I think it's going to be felt for a long time, despite the administration's peculiar denial. That's probably an episode or episodes for, a, you know, in the future, important point, but you use the word humiliation. I, I, think that's, I think that's right. I think, look, there was a certain humiliation with the Vietnam War, but what that did was the Vietnam experienced allowed Americans or, or demanded that Americans understand that they were a people not unlike the rest of the world. We lost essentially a guerrilla war. The French could not hold Vietnam. The Russians 
you know, had their series of defeats and would be defeated, you know, again, essentially in Afghanistan in the 80s. America during the Vietnam War realized that it was not indefeatable. We, 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 we had this notion that we were a, a superior people, country, nation, race, and our military might allow for that. This is a uniquely different situation where we have so mishandled the situation, virtually every other country has outperformed us on the globe. We're not just being brought down to everybody's, to, to, to par with everybody. Everybody else has surpassed and handled this so much better. I'm not, I can't think of a time or a place on something of this magnitude where America has had to reconcile that in their own, in our own minds. Right, but I, I don't think, I, I don't think you want a humiliation. Humiliation ends up in anger and humiliation ang ends up in, 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 in vengeance. Uh, humiliation is what, you're right, Vietnam was. Again, let's hope this is a humbling. Maybe this is a time to reconcile one's self, the, our, our national self view with our actual reality of who we are. Uh, so humbling can make a person and perhaps a nation better. Uh, humiliation, I think, rarely makes anyone better. It, 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 it's corrosive and it ends up uh, in, in anger and desires to prove oneself uh, as good as they thought they were. So I'm wondering if it, if it, if it can't be a, a more healthy process of saying, hey, come on guys, maybe there was a, there was seems to have been a mismatch between our self view and who we are. Now, on a real, on a, on a, on a one level down, I think we had a major civics lesson in the federal government versus state governments. When you start hearing stories, uh, you know, Americans, several, several of my friends have said, particularly foreign born friends have said, I had no idea the states were so different from each other. I had no idea the states could fight with the federal government. We're now seeing the, the, how this country is constructed. By, by design, you once sent me, I believe, a, 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 a comparative study early on between uh, shutdown measures and, and COVID cases between Tennessee and Kentucky. Remember that? Um, I mean, now yeah. I, think, I think that in itself will make us tend to think in terms of state residents rather than U.S. residents. Uh, I, again, not to, to, this is the origins of this uh, podcast that you and I were talking about Thank goodness we live in California. Well, that, that, that kind of was short-lived. But, but again, this notion of, 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 of state ownership, of state citizenship, it seems to be rising in places that I don't think we, we had state pride, but there, there, there was something different here, that where we lived uh, in terms of state could actually uh, determine our chances of survival of this, of this virus. That'll change how we look at the country. In many ways, it's kind of a return to the original political tradition of the United States, right? We have these strong local autonomous states, which I think we lost sort of after the Second World War, maybe Absolutely. earlier, but, Absolutely. you know, this is a few, things, a few things we can blame Eisenhower for, we'll blame him for that, <laughs> because of the interstate highway system, our interconnectedness, this new emergence time in American history after the, the world, Second World War, but this is, um, both our international friends, and I think a lot of us here in the United States didn't realize just how strong our federalist system actually is. And it took a global domestic 
crisis, uh, a foreign policy crisis, we've always kind of rallied around, or at least rallied better. Right, because, it, because that requires an enemy. Exactly. It requires another, right. It requires us to unite against something. Right. Here, we've got to unite together to handle our own business, and we're uniquely unsuited to do that. On, on this essay that I've been writing for a long time, as you know, uh, you know I, 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 I argue that in a sense that this, many Americans thought they lived on this solid wooden floor. And now I think we're highly, highly aware that it's, that it's more like lattice work with lots of holes in it. And that an individual right seems to be centered to that air between the structures of authority. And this is, this is why, again, it, it was set up, it was set up with, 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 with divisions uh, uh, in, the, in, in, in the federal government, uh, branches, and then it was sort of a, 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 a vertical federalism where you have federal, state, county, municipality. So we're now, I mean, to watch the news in, 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 is really, it's confusing. Like, where do you, you really have to figure out who has a testing center, who, who funds that. We've had to actually do our homework where we live to figure out where we can get uh, COVID testing, for instance. Um, and different cities have different policies, and it's you're you're starting to see the, the the how confusing our system really is. Again, by design, and there seems to be strength to that. But right now, we're really living the weaknesses to it. And again, I'm not making a case for or against federalism. It is a, it is what it is. But the other way I think that it has both already manifested itself, and where we're going to see some of these holes in the lattice, I think, is you really. Uh, I mean, as you stated very well, is going to be in, in the upcoming elections, right? Each state has its own huge, huge amount of, of, of um, influence, determination, and control, frankly, over how it administers its elections. We're seeing it with vote by mail, which incidentally, in the time of pandemic, in, in so many ways, the pandemic has, has sped up a lot of trends that were already happening, telecommuting, distance learning and education, the removal of you know, our necessary interaction as human beings because we've got the technology to actually make a lot of things work, at least in some spaces. Elections are really no different. There has been a 30-year trend towards mail-in ballots. And I think that this has, despite the, the president's protestations, that is a, a dynamic that is going to dramatically increase. It has to, and it should because it's frankly, it's a social trend that's been developing for decades. This has put a real spotlight on how more efficient, how much more secure, and how much more um, um, uh, pliant it is or compatible it is with the way people already are conducting their own lives in a more mobile society. Absolutely. Now, I, I happen to think that's, that that is a negative. I, I can see in, on the efficiency level, it is a positive, but I'm a firm believer in, in, in the need to, for humans to gather, that, that we have high tech and we have high touch. And I think we, 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 we've been moving back and forth and people miss each other. Right now, we're not about to go back toward each other. Uh, I, think, uh, I think concert venues will not come back for years. Events will not come back for years. Uh, you look at surveys. Sports. I'm sorry? Sporting events. Uh, sporting events, uh, so, so absolutely. So, so this, this, this will have this will again 
uh, it has to happen, as you're saying, and, and it, it can happen, as you're saying. But I think there, there, there are, there are going to be very, some very negative uh, fallout from that on one level. That when America is more and more an abstraction, when community is abstraction, when you are talking to people via your computer, when there, there's less empathy, there's less the ability, you know, like text messages. Lots of, lots of fights start on text messages. You know, um, never between you and me, though. Um, but but face to face, you can see people. Are you laughing? I hope. Um, but face to face, you know, you, you can see you can see the glint of an eye. You can see a smirk. You can see irony. You can see satire. You can see tenderness. You can see you know somebody making fun of you. But the idea is that we're going to be missing something very big that brings people together. And I, I think community will continue to suffer as we move toward the tech future, as you said, necessarily. I don't think there's an answer to this. Um, but I, I do want to shift and say there may be, um, there may be a, a, a upside to this in that, again, with, with the downsizing of national ambitions, with the downsizing of our sense that we are state residents rather than Americans writ large, that I think we're hungering down. We can't, we can't not but hunker down. Um, we, we, you know, this has been harder on, this pandemic has been harder on single people. Uh, this, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm very grateful that I, I am locked up with my wife and it, it works and it's great. And what if you're not? I mean, the, the, so the vulnerabilities of loneliness are harder. Uh, and, and I think, uh, but, I, but I think what I'm, what I'm trying to say is community will reemerge in a very tight, intimate way as community broadly, I think will erode via the technology. I think we will hunker down and pick our people and stick with them for a while. So I think as a country, as a culture, uh, I think we're going into our boroughs a bit more and selecting our allies and our families as we go hunker down through the rest of this and even in the years beyond. So let me talk about what that's gonna mean politically because um, I think you and I differ a little bit in that I don't put a value judgment on whether it's good or whether it's bad. I think it just is, right? Same way when we started to fly or have the automobile, it changed how we interacted with people. Granted, the inflections and the intonations and the warmth of being with another human being did not change in that regard, but the interaction did. And like everything that is happening in this new technological age, I think our interactions and our sense of community will change. I don't know that they will be better. I don't know that they'll be worse. I do know that they will be very different. Um, having said that, our politics and the way we politic has always been built on these notions of gathering. To your point, whether we are actually voting, take your child, you show up with everybody else at the local elementary school or the local moose lodge and you cast your ballot and you pass on that tradition to your children. Um, the political rally, the stuff that's killing Donald Trump right now, the inability of him to go out and have a, an at, a, you know, a crowd, an adoring crowd, and, and be the, the performative part of the politician is gone. We are involved with the national campaign, as you know, right now with the Lincoln Project, and we can't, we cannot, um, at this moment in time, we can't plan for doing door knocking in person because no one's going to answer the door and the way you're going to receive is not going to be well when you're going to talk about politics when people worry about whether or not you're, you know, that mask works or not. Right. And 
So all of these, all the retail politics that we've always known that has really been a, a definitive part, a definitive characteristic of democracy is gone at this moment. I, 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 let me interrupt just to, to, to bolster your point and we'll go back to you. I, I think I read a, I recall reading a political science paper years ago that that moment of everyone in a nation coming out and going out together to participate in one act is in itself sort of transcendent, that, 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 that the people believe they had done something collectively and therefore it has this meaning, it takes on a transcendent meaning, uh, sort, of like, uh, sort of like a collective prayer in a church, that it's not just you, that you're part of a collective that just behaved in a way that successfully uh, performed a ritual together. That is part of the magic of democracy and as you're mentioning, we will not have that. We were already moving away from it, frankly. Well, let me see if we're going to have it differently, and here's why. One of the challenges in the course of the past 10 or 15 years, you could argue going back to the advent of cable shows and the segmentation of the media, um, has been the inability for us as political consultants to actually find out what platforms work when the media is so, is so segmented. Am I buying on Facebook? Am I buying on, you know, on, on other social media platforms? Am I buying Spotify or Pandora or broadcast or cable or radio or XM or what, you know, it's, it's, it's been maddening from the 25 years ago when I started in this, we had just three or four select venues. There's, there's many, many dozens. What's unique about this environment is that we have, I think in large part, been able to drive a larger narrative because so many people are in their homes at this time. Oh, and when Donald I'll never be. I'll never forget Donald Trump talking about his Super Bowl level ratings, while he was giving these daily press conferences in March and April about the pandemic. And now, unfortunately for him, or fortunately for us, depending on your politics, they were a fiasco. But the whole country was watching this and having a national conversation that was reminiscent of when I was, you know. 12, 13 years old, and everybody was watching ABC, CBS, or NBC. The whole country was watching the same media. And for the first time in, since then, in 25 or 30 years, the whole country was watching these same press conferences, unfiltered through the Fox News or MSNBC or CNN nonsense, and literally watching him, and voter and public opinion started to react to it. So in a very peculiar way, the more that we're alone, the more we're together in some ways. And it also allowed us, and I say us, but one of, I think, the phenomenon of, of what has happened with our ability as political practitioners to respond to this is everybody was also on the same social media channels driving their own counter narrative, regardless of the cable news filter. And I think that that, while that, those certainly have, are still imparting their perspectives, it's still, when I see the volatility of public opinion, there's no question that it's, it's reminiscent of a less partisan time when we had fewer filters on what we were watching. Does that make sense? I, I, it does make sense. So we have fewer filters right now, you're saying? For the moment. I'm not, I don't know that it will last. I doubt it will last, or at least it will change. But I have not seen this type of focus where the whole country is watching is that, President of the United is that Christmas after the original uh, uh, daily briefings? Have, have we seen that, that those large numbers persist on, let's say, a, a press conference? 
Well, today is what, July 18th, July, you know, we're on July 18th and, and it's a Sunday. And just this morning, you know, uh, President Trump had another fiasco of an interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News, trying to, uh, you know, um, Donald Trump is still dominating the public discourse. Joe Biden tactically, and it's the wise move, is, has retreated and is staying as much out of the papers and every other social media, of course, but still use that same old uh, phraseology. Um, he's, staying out, he's staying out of the papers as much as he possibly can because the more Donald Trump stays in front of the voter's mind, the worse he does and the lower his numbers go. Let me ask, let me ask you the opposite question. Uh, I had the experience with the, the people I talked to routinely a while ago, maybe six, eight weeks ago, that as regards the pandemic, they stopped watching. That, 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 that there was just too much, too much conflicting information, too much useless information. Um, and that there was, a, is, is, is that true too? Is, is there some level of selectivity going on that there's just too much and people are pushing it out? Is that also happening? No, that, that would be very much the exception to the rule. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, clearly, but that's not what, that may be changing now, but for the past three or four months, as we are, as we are looking likely to head back into some sort of shelter in place construct in California, and as Arizona, Texas, and Florida are basically on fire at this moment, um, there's going to have to be a, a, some sort of shelter in place construct yeah. um, that begins to take hold. Yeah, well, I so, so it's not it's not from an epidemiological perspective. But I'm not an epidemiologist. It's not really a second wave. It's this it's this this is first wave after a plateau. But the mind of voters right now is very much in a second wave. We're not entering this next laddering up the same way we entered the first laddering in. I think yeah. Just I'm going to make a value judgment, and this is just simply me. I find the news a lot of the news unhealthy. Uh, early on, it was reported that the, uh, the, your, the internet might collapse, food chain will collapse. I mean, I thought some of the reporting was just ridiculous uh, and just, just heightened the anxiety. Uh, tomorrow, the biggest story in the world should be from The Lancet, the British medical uh, journal, that tomorrow is publishing the results, the first results of the Oxford vaccine clinical trials. And I'll bet you it won't even trend tomorrow. So one of the things that's bothering me about the state of the media, as you're going to, as you seem to want to talk about, is, is how this, what could be more important than the possible, uh, uh, the the uh, clinical successful clinical trials of the Oxford vaccine. So one of my, I think, ways of getting through this has been shutting it off, you know, and selectively. Like I will, you know, I watch Mount Rushmore or whatever. Like I will turn in here and there. But there's so much coming at you. I just got to say, if people are watching more, then I fear for their mental health and all sincerity. And, 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 and I'll dovetail to that. We are going to see great levels of depression. Uh, you know, yeah. just, just go ahead. We're going to just pend, just simply the, the anxiety, economic, political. We're going to see, uh, you know, there was this Toronto study after the uh, quarantine of. SARS, um, a third of respondents to this survey had suffered from some level of depression or PTSD. We're going to see lots of that, I believe. Uh, we're going to see ec economic despair. Um, 
I think we're in for a world of pain on some level. And I'm, I, I, and uh, yeah, so I, and talking about the pandemic, back to the pandemic, I think um, I, I, and I, that's going to play into what you do, right? All this pain and, and, and uncertainty, uh, that's going to be part of the political uh, uh, scene for the next five months. What is it, five months? Four months. Well, a little over 100 days from today. So three, a little, yeah, three and a half, almost four months. Dude, is that is that close in, in political strategist time? No. It's not. No, it's not. long. Okay. I mean, you always, it always, you know, it's always, it reminds me, you know, every campaign I've done for the past 25, 30 years now, there's always this marker where for political professionals, it's when, it, it's when the last sprint starts, but it, it's not a short sprint. It's hey, a very I, long. I want to hold you to something. Early in July, yeah. you said that if Trump doesn't rebound by the end of this month, he's cooked. So I'm going to hold you to that. Do you still believe that? But barring an external um, threat, yeah, or, or something calamitous happens to- Do you, you still know. think that this month, the next two weeks is, is super critical? Yeah, I do, and, and here's why. Uh, I think I was, at least at this point in time, was, was right on, and here's exactly why. We are just now, in the last 48 hours, starting to see the death rates in Arizona and Florida start to spike. So all of these infections that they've been worried about, this dramatic spread in the Sun Belt, have, um, you know, the death, the death, the mortality rate lags behind a, a few weeks behind the infection rate. So the end of July is going to see a very difficult time in American history because there's going to be a lot of these overwhelmed hospitals that we saw in New York earlier in places that are not equipped to handle them particularly in the Sun Belt at this moment in time. And that, what we have also seen is now we've got enough data to show Governor Ducey's numbers in Arizona just collapsing his support levels. Uh, states like Texas are now Joe Biden, at least at this moment in time, is outside the margin of error ahead of Donald Trump in Texas. Uh, Georgia is, is uh, very, very close. It's essentially tied. The Carolinas are both in play. These are states that should not be anywhere near this area in this range, and it's all directly correlate to Donald Trump's mismanagement and the incompetence that we've seen from the administration. Here's, here's where it gets really interesting and where I believe the next few weeks are critical. As death rates increase and as local news starts to cover this 24-7, as they should, as people get more and more frightened after they were lulled into a sense of complacency in these, these red states, you're going to see, I believe, a significant change in public opinion. So we're already seeing Donald Trump's floor starts to give a little bit in a way that he said that, you know, it would never happen. If I went out on Fifth Avenue and I shot someone, I wouldn't lose a single voter. We're going to test that theory in the next month. But, but let's go back to the, I think, our major premise, which is what will, the, what will the pandemic do to America? So out of the, out of, I have a limit on how many times Trump, I can hear it in a, an hour. So if tell us, take us, take us into next year, take us in the following year. You talked about uh, more technology, more distance, more voting mail. Let's talk about the let's talk about the practical aspects of civic engagement and actual voting. As yeah. I mentioned, I think we're going to dramatically go fast forward. We're going to dramatically change the way that we vote. 
the idea of bringing your kids into a polling place is going to be something that we is going to appear only in the rearview mirror. It's going to be like a Norman Rockwell painting. We're not going to be voting like that in four, eight years hence. There's, there's no, from an efficiency standpoint, from a security standpoint, from an operation standpoint, and from a cost standpoint, Americans will be voting more and more by mail. The next area of disagreement, which is, is going to be very contentious, but it's also inevitable, is going to be voting electronically. We will be voting with our phones or some handheld device at some point. It's just going to happen, okay? We have a ton of contention. There's going to be big fights about it. And that will be what happens. That will be the next battleground about fraud and who's voting and who's not and voter identification. But I believe if there, especially, especially with the passing of, of Congressman John Lewis, if there is an enactment, and there will be, if not uh, later this year, then there certainly will be under Joe Biden administration an update of the Voter Rights Act. There will be some acknowledgement uh, and more liberalizing in the lowercase l sense of the way that we are going to be using technology to engage and enfranchise more and more people into the process. So that's very significant for the reasons that you talked about, community, cohesion, interaction with other human beings at the core level of saying, you show up with your kids, you show them how to vote, we hand on this tradition of democracy, that's gonna change. You know, I, I, I feel this is a moment for me to talk about my own role in uh, voting corruption. Uh, I ran for junior class president at high school, uh, and I won, by the way, but uh, it may, you know, it may or may not have been kosher because a kid came up to me and said, dude, dude, I voted for you five times. So I'm, I, I hear, I hear you. <laughs> So I know there's problems with any system. How many votes did you win by? How many votes did you win by? Six. Okay, well, all right. Maybe, yeah, well. I have no idea, but I literally said, dude, shut up. Yeah, that's probably good, yeah. That's, Let me yeah. spread that around. But that was really adorable. It was a very good kid, nice guy. How did you do, but how did you do in the electoral college? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, the, but let, let me I, transition. I want to push you off of politics. I want to push you off of politics because okay. you, you like everyone else, have lived through this pandemic. And without getting too personal, uh, how has the pandemic changed the way you live? One, and two, how might it change how you live in the future? Well, I, mean, I was listening to you talking about how challenging it is to be for people who are single. And, and um, I, I have had probably one of the best years of my life <laughs> um, in large part because this time of isolation has made me recognize just how introverted I am. And it's given me the space to kind of um, operate professionally and personally and creatively, you know, in a way that I never would have had the space in either of those areas of my life to really um, dramatically expand. So it's been, I mean, obviously a horrible time for our country and our people, and I, I lament that every day, but for me personally, it's been, a, it's been a fantastically resilient, creative time for me. Mm -hmm. And I've been, it's been one of the best periods of my life from that perspective. And how might it change the way you live in the future, or, or will it? 
I don't know. I mean, I've, I've got to be candid, and you and I have talked about this before. There's a certain anxiety about about this all coming to an end because I enjoy I enjoy being alone so much. I'm worried about you know being a hermit, a, a recluse. Um, but I I I am I'm really fulfilled in the areas that I have kind of not permitted myself for 48, 49 years. Oh, wait, don't worry about becoming a recluse until your uh, your fingernails are about three inches out. Other before that, you're fine. Yeah, so I, I don't know, but I, what I will, what I do know is at least, you know, in the short term, and depending on when this all ends, and I am optimistic that it will end, um, I really will change my life to have more time for myself. There's no question about that. I will build that in for me and my focus and my energies and kind of what I want to um, engage in because they are good for me. And I feel like I'm making a bigger impact in the world than I have probably ever in my life. And that would not have been possible had this, we not been in the situation. Right. So I, I think maybe, and I don't know, if, I don't know if I'm the exception or the rule here. I, I do believe, and maybe it's just me because I am in such an interesting space personally. I think that there are a lot of people who are also going through this. I know I, a lot of introverts are kind of going like, Oh my God, I can take a deep breath. I don't have to operate in this world that the, the extroverts have been forcing me to live in. Now my extroverted friends are suffering horribly. And I think it's giving them a certain um, newfound appreciation for what being an introvert is like. It's just, it's in so many ways, it's exhausting to keep up with this world that maybe we weren't constituted to, to be a part of and to, to have my own world be my own world has been very invigorating. Right, right, right. Maybe it is just me. I know a lot of there's people. No there's no loneliness, there's no loneliness, there's no depression, there's no, there's been very few bouts of you know, anxiety or worry or concern. It's certainly been far, far, far less than other periods of, of, of time in my life. Whatever that means, doctor. <laughs> so maybe that's biasing the way I think the world is going to go, go. It's like maybe everybody should just be in their silos and, and talk like this on Zoom and communicate via podcast instead of going down to, you know, the, the local, you know, town hall to have meetings in person. Political rallies will now be, you know, done on our, tech, on our phones. Um, I, I, I do think that what, what, you know, I'm involved in this national effort that is doing some really revolutionary things as it relates to a national campaign. There's no, we're not going to just go back and be like, oh, oh yeah, let's go back to doing rallies. Let's go back to doing these things. I think rallies may be viewed as a peculiarity. They may look like three ring circuses, which is appropriate because the candidate right now is reminiscent of P.T. Barnum. It, it works for him. I mean, he needs it. But I don't know that that is something we're ever really going to go back to in any meaningful way again, where at this point in the last 100 days on a national campaign, it's always been hopscotching between how big is the rally in Dubuque and then how big is the rally out in, you know. Uh, One of the biggest things I, I, I read this week for me is in terms of post-pandemic life, uh, the CEO of Delta Airlines uh, said that he did not expect the level of flying to ever recover. Like a CEO saying that, that can't be good for stock prices. But that, that, that stunned me, uh, one. Uh, two, the, the, the levels, the numbers of people leaving cities, San Francisco, uh, uh, 
Paris is expected to lose 10% of its population. So, you know, how, how cities will configure, uh, I'm lucky enough to live, to live in the country. Um, uh, you know, I, I am now a, a full-fledged tree hugger. So that's, that's the other thing I think that's happening. We're all, as you said, we're all seeing this through the prism of our own lives. But, uh, you know, nature, uh, nature is something of uh, this, this five nation poll said, what are you going to do if it ends? And most people say, go out and, 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 and hug a tree. So one of the things that's been comforting for me is ritual, uh, sort of, you know, similar behaviors at similar times. My wife and I eat twice a day at a certain time and we sit out at the patio every evening. There, there's been this a very healthy, these cycles that keep you sane. Um, and I think, uh, I'm hoping that those who, who do well doing this uh, are thinking that they're doing it because they're finding some sort of peace in not having, as you said, to play in the world of the extrovert, which was a really good line, by the way. Well, thank you. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of, there's a nugget that comes out. That's from being alone. There's more and more of them. More nuggets. Gregory, fantastic discussion. As always, it's great to talk to you. We've got some great episodes coming up, some really good topics. But until then, we'll go ahead and sign off. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Talk soon.